church. Unwavering. What are those things we're unwavering on? This is our final message, and uh, I want to pray this morning that we truly grasp what God's trying to tell us in his word about this subject. Unwavering in our commitment to give God our best. It's called biblical stewardship. What is biblical stewardship? Simply that, unwavering in our commitment to give God our very best. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. You're going to be familiar with this parable. And so, as we stand and, and read God's Word together, beginning with verse 14, the parable of the talents, you're, you're going to say, I'm familiar with this, and I'm going to give you two principles that you've probably already gleaned from this passage in years past, and you're going to say, I know that, I understand that. But then we're going to look carefully at how we need to apply these principles to our life today. And so if you've got, got your Bible open to Matthew chapter 25, let's just read this. To, as I read this, you ask the Spirit of God to instruct you on what you need to learn, what you need to glean from this, what you need to understand and live out in your life today. So this board is just like a man going on a journey. And he's speaking of the kingdom of God here. And he says he called his own servants and turned over his possessions to them to one he gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his own ability and then he went on a journey immediately the man who had received five talents went and he put them to work and earned five more now the word talent has to do with uh, uh, it's a monetary amount it's not necessarily like we think of the word talent a gift even though that would be a a great application of the text and so it applies to many different areas that we'll talk about in a moment those blessings that you've received from god and so he puts them to work and he earned five more in the same way the man with two earned two more But the man who received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And a long time, after a long time, the master of those servants, or slaves, it says in the um, Holman, came and they settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man who had two talents also approached and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. And then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, master, I know you. You're a difficult man reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid And went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But the master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. 
If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the banks. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, we pray that you would teach us to be good stewards of the blessings we receive. May we recognize from whence they come, and may we seek to appropriate them under the leadership of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, Some of you that haven't heard this, we've got a... um, Transition going on in the office. Uh, uh, Miss Debbie is, uh, of course, moving. Greg and Debbie to Spain are moving to Columbus, and uh, Stephanie Drake's becoming our new uh, secretary. And so they've kind of been overlapping in training, and it gave me a time to reflect a little bit of you know the different staff members, different secretaries. You pray for them because they have a hard job. It used to be they had to put up with me. Now it's me and Ben and Jeff. And so you pray for. Uh, uh, Stephanie as she comes on board here and uh, be an encouragement to her as well. But I was thinking back to my first secretary when I came here to Trinity. Uh, Miss Vicki, who was like a second mom to me, it was fictitious, but because I thought it was funny, I thought I would relay it to those of you who weren't here at the time that Scott first relayed this story about a conversation that took place in the office. Uh, supposedly, Vicky got a phone call early on in my time here as pastor. And uh, somebody said, let me speak to the new high hog at the trough. And she said, pardon me? And the fellow said it again. I said, I want to speak to the new high hog at the trough. And she said, well, I'm not sure who you're talking about, but if you... If you're talking about our pastor, we speak of our pastor with great respect. And he said, I'm telling you, let me speak to the high hog at the trough. I've got an important message. And she said, pardon me, but I'm not going to transfer this phone call while you're calling him the high hog at the trough. I know he could probably push back from the table a little bit, but that's no way to refer to our pastor. And he said, ma'am, I'm telling you, I'm ready to make a million-dollar donation now that he's become the pastor of Trinity. And I want him to tell me exactly how that money is to be appropriated. And she said, hold on one second. I think the big pig just walked in the door. (laughs) I don't know if that story is true or not. You know, a lot of times uh, pastors can be known to, to be good fundraisers. That's not typically me. My goal as a pastor is not to end up, and, and, and listen, I've learned a lot about vision from people like Jerry Falwell. He used to joke that um, his epitaph was going to say, and the beggar died. But as a pastor, I don't want to be known as someone who was always trying to get people to give more. You say, really? I don't want to be one who just harped on the subject of giving. I preach 
through the Bible, and I, I preach as the Spirit leads, and so I come to that subject as often as the Bible comes to that subject. And the Bible does frequent the subject of stewardship. My goal is not to be a fundraiser. As a matter of fact, I never want our church to be seen in public. And I know this bothers some of you. This makes some of you a little uncomfortable because we've always done it this way in other places. But, but I don't want our church to be seen in public asking for the world to fund our causes. Whenever our church is seen outside the walls of this building, I want us to be a giving body of Christ, not a taking. We're not asking them to support our causes. And so that means all of our efforts to raise funds for missions and things like that target us. They target the church and, and maybe some of your Christian family members. And so when we're seen in the public eye, we're not asking, we're giving, we're being a blessing to others. But as a pastor, I do want to equip the body of Christ to be devoted Christ followers, and you cannot be a devoted Christ follower without seeing yourself as a steward of God's blessings in every area of your life. We like to say it this way, God is worthy of our best. He gave us his best, he's worthy of our best. And we see these parables again and again to remind us how we're to live our lives in view of eternity. There's, there's an already not yet aspect to the kingdom of God. There's a not yet aspect in that we're looking for the kingdom to come in its fullness when Jesus Christ ushers in His millennial and His eternal kingdom into this world. I look forward to that day. <laughs> I yearn for that day. But th that's the not yet aspect. The already aspect is that Jesus Christ is establishing His kingdom and the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls who turn from sin and self and trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He becomes king of their heart. He becomes king of their lives. And so the kingdom of God is already being established in our hearts and lives. And we are to look to King Jesus and see ourselves as stewards here on mission and that he is providing us with the resources. And so these parables are teaching us how to be kingdom citizens, even though there's a not yet aspect to the kingdom we are to picture the kingdom to those who are not part of that kingdom yet. And so we, we come to the question of stewardship, and Jesus addresses that, and he talks about two stewards in this text who received the well done of God, and then a third who did not only miss out on the well done of God, he lost the resource that he had and missed out on the joy that could have been laid before him. He was rebuked and suffered horrible consequences. What did the two remember? That the third one didn't seem to comprehend. I'm going to share two principles with you, and then we're going to talk about how to apply this in some different areas. The first one is this. Stewardship is received from the Father. That's a no-brainer, right? A stewardship is received from the Father. In verse 14, we read that this master, as he was preparing to go on a journey called these servants, and he turned over or entrusted his possessions to them. He entrusted them with something that was not theirs, but he allowed them to have management of this side of the journey, or we might say this side of heaven. We also see that these stewardships, the, the, these monetary blessings that would have been in this case 
were sovereignly distributed. One received ten, one, I mean, one received five, one received two, and one received one. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, we see that the spiritual gifts that we receive are sovereignly distributed by God for His purposes and for His glory. Whatever He puts in your trust, He puts in your trust for His glory and for you to be a good steward and to make a difference in this world with what He's given you. And so that will be a number of possibilities, and we'll look at those in just a moment. Notice that in verses 16, 17, and 18, it keeps referring to these men. These men who had received. These men who had received. These men who had received. And as we're going to be disciples of Christ and good stewards, seeing Him as Lord of our lives, of everything that we are and all that we have, then we need to stop every day and give God thanks and say, listen, anything I have is because you've given it to me. We Stewardship begins... Not when an offering plate is passed in a worship service. Stewardship begins when you begin to see that all that you are and all that you have is a gift from Almighty God. Notice also that each of these men addressed the owner here, the, the, the ruler here, they, they addressed him as master, as Lord. And it has to do with being reminded that the one who gives the stewardship, the one from which we receive these things, has to be the one who is ultimately in charge. And so stewardship becomes then a question of lordship. Who is king of your heart? Who is lord of your life? And so you want to see that that is something you receive from the Father and you refer to Him as lord of your life. Now, with that, I can't help but think of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 when He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say. See, stewardship can apply to so many areas of your life. But can you hear the voice of Christ saying, listen, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. Why do you refer to me as Lord? In Matthew chapter 7, he will say that many Say, will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? And he'll say to them on that day, well, listen, depart from me. I never knew you. Why do you call me Lord if you don't have a relationship? If you haven't truly made me Lord of your life. Is he really Lord of all that you are and in control of all that he's blessed you with? Everything you have is from God. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. God is not fickle. God loves you. He has invested things into your life, and He expects you to invest that into the calling that He has on your life. Now, we prove this all the time that we don't get this. There's a four-letter word, one of the dirtiest four-letter words that we have, in our culture. Now, if your mind is wandering in places it shouldn't, let me tell you what that word is. Mine. Mine. Proves that we don't understand lordship. Now, if you ever want to teach the doctrine of depravity, that we are born with a sin nature, we are sinners not only by choice, but we're sinners by nature. All you have to do is take somebody over to the preschool some morning 
get in there with those little ones. Or if you've got several little ones around your house, or just two, all it takes is two, really. All it takes is two. You probably never had to teach them that word. It, it just like, it's like it just kind of fell out of the sky right into their lap, and they said, this is a cool word, mine. And, and you learn how selfish we are and how we think. And, and so it might be uh, two boys fighting over a truck or two girls fighting over a dog, but it's mine. And, and, and they didn't really care until another kid was playing with it. You know what I'm saying? They weren't even concerned with what was going on, but then some other kid picks it up and they're like making a beeline for it. They're running or toddling as fast as they can and they're like, mine! You're like, yeah, but that's kids, you know. That's, we we got to grow out of that, do we? We look at our homes. We look at our automobiles. We look at other things and instead of them being used for the glory of God, it's mine. Get that I'll never forget my first paycheck. Now, I, I made a little cash when I was 12, 13, 14 years old cutting grass in the neighborhood, but I remember that first paycheck from Burger King. Mine. It was like $68, but it was mine. Mine. Do what every teenager did in 1986. Went to the mall. Went to the mall. Nobody went to downtown back then. You go to the mall. You got a paycheck. Mine. We are by nature self-centered and selfish rather than seeing it all as God. Then we talk about my marriage. We talk about my political aspirations. And sometimes, sometimes it spills over as I talk with pastors on a regular basis who have battles within their congregations because somebody is holding on tightly to what they will say, this is my church. <laughs> And so there's power struggles within churches today. And I'm like, brother, you need to preach the word. You need to go to Colossians and, and chapter 1 and talk about what Paul reminded that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's not your church as the pastor. It's not the deacon's church. It's not their church. It's his church. And we are just being stewards of the ministries that he's given us. And we're to give God our best. But it's not mine. It's his. It all belongs to his his marriage it's his prominence if he's given you promise not only is it not mine not only are these themes not mine I'm not even mine you realize that that's the cry of the world well it's my body do what I want to with it well you can say that if you're not a believer but if you're a Christian Paul told the church at Corinth you are not your own. You were bought with a, with a price. Therefore, honor the Lord even with your body. You don't belong to yourself. You're expendable for the Lord Jesus Christ. In every area, stewardship is something you have received from God. And it all begins when we come to a place in our life where we say, all that I am, everything that I have, it all belongs to Him, and I'm to manage it for his glory this side of heaven. So stewardship is received from the Father. I want you to also see that stewardship is rewarded according to faithfulness. Not how much savvy you had in managing it. Not how impressive it looked to others, but faithfulness. Were you faithful? 1 Corinthians 4.2 says it's required of a service that they be found faithful, or required of stewards that they be found faithful. There's an expectation of faithfulness. 
And so when you look at verses 20 and following again, it says the man who had received five talents approached him. And now it's what? It's ten talents. Look, the five talents has become ten. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, so I'll put you in charge of many. God rewards faithfulness by giving you even more. Now, some of you are going to get a little bit nervous. If you've got like five children, you're going to say, I don't want to put my five children to church for the, for the Lord. I don't, I don't want to put my five children to work for the Lord because what if God gives me five more? I could be in trouble there. I won't put my two in, in, in service for the Lord because he might give me. What he's saying here is if, if you're found faithful in a few things, I'm going to give you even greater opportunities for my glory. Whatever that opportunity looks like. You've been faithful over a few things. The one with two talents, the same story. Look, I've earned two talents in verse 22 and in verse 23. The same, well done. Didn't matter that he didn't bring ten, that he only brought four. He was faithful with what he had. Well done. You are faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. I can trust you. I entrusted something to you. You invested it for my glory. I can trust you to be a steward of other things as well. And so stewardship is rewarded according to our faithfulness. The last steward was punished not because he didn't have but one talent he was punished because he didn't do anything with it he was not faithful in the little that he had received it's listen it's when it comes to the area of stewardship it's not what you have it's what you do with what you have that makes all the difference in the world it's not what god's entrusted you with it's what you're doing with what god entrusted you with everything everything is to be invested for his glory and you're to see yourself as a steward as a manager of those talents those things that he's given you as a blessing so what are those areas in our life i want us to spend the remainder of our time looking at some areas of application you know the parable you know the principles you know and understand that anything that i have and all that i am is received of the father and i'm to be a good steward of that and you realize that he's going to reward me according to my faithfulness. But what are those areas? This is kind of where the rubber meets the road. What about the resources, number one, that he's placed in your life? And when I say resources, I'm talking about both the material and the intrinsic resources that God has blessed you with. What do I mean by intrinsic? Those things that make up who you are, those things that define you, those strengths that God has blessed you with, those abilities that God has given you. Have you discovered, we spent time here as a church family helping you, but did you discover what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know where you're gifted? And are you taking those gifts and investing those gifts for the glory of God? Or have you buried those gifts somewhere and you're simply not using them? How are you using those gifts? How are you using those abilities, those strengths, those talents, not the monetary talents, but those special things that you're gifted in, whatever it may be. Are you even willing to recognize you've received those from the Lord? Are you grateful for what God is doing in your life and how He's made you and how He's blessed you in these areas? If you're grateful, you'll be investing them for the glory of God. It's God giving you a music ability that you're not using. Or maybe, here's what happens a lot of times, we, we use it for ourselves. 
or we use it for the world, but we don't use it for the glory of God. I mean, the, the entertainment industry is full of folks who got their start in churches. You'll hear that all the time. And we're supposed to think, man, aren't they special? I knew they were a Christian. They got their start in the church. Oh, they're so wonderful. Did, did, did you know that she's a Christian, that he's a Christian? That acting, he was doing drama at church, and then when he became famous, he went to Hollywood. And, or, or She was singing in the church, and they discovered that she had such a beautiful voice. And so Disney found out and called her up, and she had a show. And now she's using it to entertain the world. Oh, she doesn't talk about Jesus. As a matter of fact, we couldn't show the videos in church. But it's like, yeah, I'll use my gifts, I'll use my talents, I'll use my abilities for the body of Christ, and then if I get discovered, I'll move on to bigger and better things. Listen, there is no bigger and better investment than the kingdom of God and the glory of God. And so what I admire is when someone uses that gift to build the body of Christ and bring glory to God, and they remain unwavering in that commitment, and no matter who comes calling, they say, I will not compromise my standards I will not compromise my faith. This is a gift from God, and I will use it for His glory and His glory alone, whatever that may be. It may be that some of you are gifted with your hands. You're, you're skilled. Whether you're a dark doctor or a carpenter, you're to use that gift. I, I was telling Miss Jenda before her heart transplant that I remember seeing the picture in a doctor's office, and it made me feel a lot better about this doctor. But I remember seeing a doctor that showed uh, this picture in the doctor's office, and it showed the doctor that as he was doing surgery on a patient, that behind him, Jesus Christ was reaching around him and holding his hands and guiding him. And I said, I like this doctor because he gets it, that his hands are a gift and a blessing from God. So whether you're skilled at carpentry or medicine or anything else to say that God has given me this, and I am to use it for His glory. It could be academics, it could be artistic, it could be in athletics, but to come to a place to say, if I've been given this gift, I want to use it to somehow bring glory to God. And you're like, I don't know how, Pastor. You begin to talk to God and the people who walk with God, and you will discover how to use that gift for His glory. It could be intrinsic resources. It could also be material resources. What you possess doesn't define you it's not intrinsic but what you do with it will ultimately define you again it's not what you do with it that defines you it's what or it's, it's not what you have that defines you it's what you do with it that will define who you are ultimately and luke six thirty eight says if we give it will be given unto us pressed down Good measure, shaken together, running over. God says, I see you as a channel of blessing, and I'm going to continue to bless you so that you might be a blessing to others. That doesn't mean that, uh, well, you know, if I, if I send Pastor Robbie um, $100 this week and he, he sends me back an anointed prayer cloth of some kind, then I'm going to get very rich. It's not how it works. As a matter of fact, and this won't preach everywhere, uh, wouldn't be popular everywhere, it may be God's will to call you to a third world country as a missionary and for you to live without, but you're laying up treasures in heaven. God may say, no, I want you to stay right here and be a blessing and be a channel of blessing to others, and I'm going to give you a lot of material blessings so that you can be a channel of blessing to others. 
But when we're not good stewards of that, when we're not giving God our very best, we have the rebuke, Malachi chapter 3. Remember where God says, you've robbed me? And they said, well, how have we robbed you? And he said, well, in tithes and in offerings. And I know a lot of people say, well, we're, we're living under grace now, Pastor. We're living under new covenant. Don't start talking about the tithe. Well, listen, if the old covenant, if the law motivated us to give out of necessity or out of uh, legality, then how much more should grace cause us to realize it all belongs to him and we're just channels, at, we're just stewards of that blessing to make a difference with those material blessings that he places in our life. And so, so many of you have been so wonderful about that. Sometimes it's a monetary, sometimes it's your home, sometimes it's a, a vehicle, whatever the case may be where you say, I want this to be used for the glory of God. You know one of the cool things about that, I remember driving down the road and, and having some car problems one time, and I was able to say, Lord, your car, <laughs> your car needs some work. That's going to cost you a little bit. Took the pressure off of me. This car, Lord, it belongs to you. It's your car. My family wonders, how long is the Lord going to make his tires last before you replace them? But God, it all belongs to you. Resources. Another area is relationships. How many of us are good stewards with our relationships? Do you stop and think about that? That your relationships are a gift from God? Now, I'm looking at a lot of men in here, and I hope you understand that your wife is a gift from God. We don't deserve that relationship. God has blessed us. Ladies, God has blessed you with a husband. Blessed you with children. Children, young people, teenagers, God has blessed you with those parents. Amen? I didn't hear the kids. <laughs> God has blessed you with those parents. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted for a day. Those who have already said goodbye to those they love, realize what a treasured blessing that relationship is. Make the most of that relationship. Every relationship in your life should be leveraged for the glory of God. Not exploited, but leveraged. You realize that God has given them to you as a blessing. That relationship, that spouse, those children, gifts from God, but also those friends. As stewards, you're to take care of things. Or do you take care of your friends? Do you protect and guard friendships carefully? Do you take your friends for granted? Well, there's a balance. We've got to prioritize our relationships I realize that my wife has to be my best friend, and my kids, I have a greater stewardship and responsibility, and then I have the church family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and other friends, and people I'm trying to win to Jesus. I want to build relationships with them as a gift from God that I might leverage to point them to Jesus Christ, and so we've got to prioritize that, but we can't forget that we're stewards of those relationships. Leverage our influence for the kingdom of God to help them become more in love, not with you, but with Jesus Christ. And when you help them to fall more in love with Jesus Christ, they will have the right kind of relationship that they need with you. That way you're not exploiting friendships and family. You're using, you're being a good steward of those relationships for the glory of God. So you've got resources. You've got relationships. Some of those relationships give you connections in a way that you can advance the kingdom do that and then finally we have what i would call one of the greatest 
most mind-boggling areas when it comes to our stewardship. An area where I would say almost as God places this stewardship in us, that we would say, wait a minute, God, are you sure about this one? Uh, the resources, may, I can get that. You're Lord, I'm here as a steward. The, the, the relationships, okay, we've got to have relationships as part of the kingdom life, but, but this one, this one's a hard one, and that is the redemptive hope that God has placed. We're called to be good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I referred to 1 Corinthians 4-2 a moment ago where Paul said it's required of a steward, it's expected of a steward to be found faithful. And I memorized that verse as a teenager because I used to listen to Larry Burkett. Well, my mom used to listen to Larry Burkett all the time on the radio. And he was the Christian financial concepts guru. And a lot of us learned a lot of things, my age and older, from Larry Burkett. And he would always be talking about money, but he would say it's required of a steward to be found faithful. Required of a steward to be found faithful. And so I always thought the context of that verse had to be money management. And while the application fits, the context of that passage is not money management, but the gospel. He's saying we've been made stewards of this. We've been entrusted with this gospel. And it's required if we're stewards of this gospel that we are to be found faithful and so if you turn to second corinthians chapter four you'll also see how paul was blown away as he wrote another letter to corinth he wrestled with the wonders of this stewardship of the redemptive hope that we've been given look at second corinthians chapter four beginning in verse one Paul says, a person should consider us in this way as servants of Christ and stewards or managers of God's mysteries. Why would God entrust us with the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ? He says, in this regard, it is expected of managers that each one is to be found faithful. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, all, I'm back in 1 Corinthians 4 again. <laughs> But he's telling us to be, he's, he's saying, it's expected to be found faithful to the mysteries of the gospel. And in 2 Corinthians 4, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't give up. Instead, we have renounced shameful secret things, not walking in deceit, not distorting God's message while we're being good stewards of the message. But in God's sight, we commend ourselves to every person's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if, in fact, our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Regarding them, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. So how is he going to make this gospel known? Who is going to be entrusted with it? He says, for we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants because of Jesus. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, he has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the, the treasure of redemptive hope, the hope of the world, the understanding of the mysteries of why we're here and what we're all about and where we're headed. 
It says, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around the death of Jesus in our body. Why? Because we are crucified with Christ, therefore we no longer live, but Christ now lives in us. We're steward of that life so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are always given over to death because Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. The key part of that, back in verse 7, we have this treasure. We have this treasure where? In clay pots. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, a clay pot or a jar, a jar of clay would have been, uh, you know, a, a inexpensive. It would have been the Dixie cups of the first century. You could drink out of it and throw it on the ground. Because it wasn't the cup that was valuable, it was what was in the cup. And you and I have been made stewards when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he comes to live inside of us. That gospel, that redemptive hope that we have, we have now been made stewards of it. Our value is not based on who we are in our own flesh and blood, but who he is in us. And as good stewards, we're to take that message to the world so that the resources, so that the relationships that we have are all being used to point other people to Jesus Christ and ultimately glorify God. You're here for God's glory and to help other people come to know Jesus Christ. And if we're here for God's glory and to help other people to come to know Jesus Christ, then we're to leverage every resource and every relationship that we have toward the redemptive hope of pointing people to Jesus. If we're not glorifying God with our lives, if we're not glorifying God with our resources, if we're not glorifying God in our relationships, we're not being good stewards of the redemptive hope either. It all goes back to being managers. Remember the parable, kingdom principles, because we're looking for a better kingdom one day, and we want others to be a part of it. So the reason we're still here is we're still here to be stewards so that we're taking more with us to be a part of his kingdom, bringing more into the family of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we thank you for that redemptive hope. And Lord, as a preacher of the gospel, and every servant here is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, we realize you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father, you've blessed us with resources that make us rich in almost every other country in this world. Lord, you've blessed us with opportunities and gifts and talents. Father, you've blessed us with relationships, people that are in our lives because they are family or friends or neighbors or classmates or co-workers. And in everything today, Father, I'm asking you to help us to become devoted Christ followers who give you our very best. Not for our glory, not for us, but for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.